today's scripture is from the letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and extend hospitality to the strangers. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Today is the last Sunday in our series, Fake News. For the past few weeks, we have taken a look at different phrases that we often hear and say as Christians, and we assume are from the Bible and that they're true. And so like fake news, we share them without confirming whether they actually are from Scripture. The last phrase that we will look at is, love the sinner, hate the sin. Now this phrase sounds so right that it's hard to imagine what could be wrong with it. We often hear it from Christians who intend well. Usually the person who says it means, I'm a sinner too, and from one sinner to another, I love you even though you sin. And that sounds good. It sounds scriptural, even like something Jesus would say. But Jesus never said that. And the sentiment behind it doesn't actually reflect the types of things that he did say. Yes, we are all sinners, and Jesus said that, meaning we all have turned away from the path that God has set before us. Or to put it another way, we've all missed the mark on how God wants us to live in our lives. We all sin because no one is perfect. We're human. We think and we say and we do things that are against God's will, and we fail to think or say or do things that are God's will in our lives. And Jesus shows us over and over and over again in his life and ministry that we are to love sinners. He shows us that by example. So the first part of love the sinner, it's actually true, but the problem and the danger for us is that while that statement of love the sinner is true, that's not what Jesus commanded us to do. What Jesus said was, love your neighbor. And that might sound like a technicality or semantics, but it's an important distinction. Jesus is clear that our neighbor is everyone that we meet and even those that we haven't met. It's the person in India who needs fresh water to drink, or the person in Cleveland who needs a backpack and internet to be able to do their schoolwork this year. Or it's the person in line in front of us at the grocery store. And to love our neighbor, it doesn't mean that we have to have these warm and fuzzy feelings towards them, or we even have to really like them personally. It means showing kindness to them 
and acknowledging that they are of worth because they are created and they are loved by God. So what is the difference then between saying love the sinner and love your neighbor? If every person is a sinner and we're called to love our neighbors, which is everyone, then everyone is both a sinner and a neighbor. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is where we focus. I think if Jesus told us to love our neighbor, he told us that rather than saying love sinners because Jesus knew that if he commanded his disciples and likewise commanded us to love the sinner, then we would begin to look at other people first and and maybe even only as sinners rather than as neighbors and whole people. That would lead us to judging the other person and, and focusing more on that person's sin than any other part of them. And maybe, without intending it, we begin to think of our relationship as, you're a sinner, but I, I graciously choose to love you anyway. And so then, that relationship becomes more about us and our own ego and self-righteousness instead of the other person and their worth in God. Saying love the sinner begins from a place where we see someone's imperfections and shortcomings first. While saying love your neighbor, it challenges us to focus on that whole person in front of us, seeing God in that person. Some people point to today's scripture from Romans to support this idea of loving the sinner and hating the sin. Because Paul writes, love should be shown without pretending hate, evil, and hold on to what is good. But Paul isn't telling his his readers to, to hate sin in someone else's life. He's telling them to hate the evil that they might be tempted to follow in their own lives. He's saying don't pretend to show love and then judge in the very next breath. Instead, let love be genuine. Think about if someone, if a loved one says to you, I love you even though you're not very smart thank you? Or, I love you despite the fact that you can't hold down a job. Those types of qualifiers, while they might be true, they make it seem like that's what the person sees and focuses on when they look at us. And that we should then maybe even thank them for loving us anyway, even though we are not perfect. It begins to sound more and more like a favor and less and less like the unconditional love that Jesus challenges us to show one another. In the Gospels, we see example after example of Jesus spending time with drunkards and prostitutes, thieves, adulterers, traitors to their own people, and plenty of others who undoubtedly had impure impure thoughts, cheated on their taxes, or, or committed a variety of crimes. Jesus broke bread with all of these people. He healed them 
He even called these people to be his disciples. Yet we never hear Jesus say to these people, I love you even though you sin. I love you, but I hate your sin. When Jesus spoke to sinful people, to, to people, he didn't talk about their sin. He talked about God's forgiveness for them. In Luke 7, a woman who might have been a prostitute crashed a dinner party at the home of a, of a man named Simon. And Jesus was the guest of honor at this dinner. And when the woman entered, the, the host of the dinner was aghast. A woman, the woman came before Jesus and wept and then anointed his feet with oil and then dried them with her hair. And Simon was standing there wondering why Jesus would allow such a woman to even touch him. Jesus, we see, gently rebukes Simon in this moment and then says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. That sentence that Jesus says, it doesn't say, you have sins. It says, your sins are forgiven. We have a choice of what we focus on, on the person's sin or on their ability to receive God's forgiveness and to be whole. Now, not focusing on someone else's sin, it doesn't mean that we are to keep silent about the problem of sin. There are sins that we must condemn, sins that harm and oppress or do evil to others, such as child abuse, spousal abuse, racism, injustice, or indifference to others. As followers of Jesus, we are to speak out against these things just as Jesus did. And also, when we see these things, we, we must remember that sin is not the end of the story. That the glorious ending is God's never-ending willingness to transform us, heal us, and forgive us. The truth in the phrase, love the sinner, hate the sin, it stops with that first word of love. Let us love one another. Focusing not on the, the speck in our neighbor's eye, but the log in our own eye. Laying aside our own sin, demonstrating humility and grace towards others, so that this world might be transformed through God's unconditional love. Amen and amen.